0: Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place we get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about President Biden's speech in Philadelphia, my new home city. Last week caused quite a bit of a stir, and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to pick at, so we're going to jump in with that. Before we do, though, uh, first of all, I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. I'm feeling a bit recharged after some days off and spending some time with family and friends in North Carolina. A reminder, on Friday, we released a lengthy edition on nuclear energy, which you can read if you are subscribed to the newsletter and a paying member of Tangle. It should be in your inbox. And we also missed some stuff. So we're going to have two quick hit sections today. The first is going to be... While we were gone, some of the news that we missed, and we're going to start there. Number one, the U.S. economy added 315,000 jobs in August, slightly below expectations. Job growth continues despite still rising interest rates implemented to cool inflation. Number two, a retired NYPD officer was sentenced to 10 years in prison for assaulting a police officer during the January 6 riots. Number three, officials in Jackson, Mississippi say water pressure has been restored at a local treatment plant after nearly 180,000 residents went without water for a week. Number four, British conservative Liz Truss was sworn in as Britain's third prime minister in just over three years on Tuesday, replacing Boris Johnson. Number five, a federal judge granted President Trump's request for a special master to review documents seized by the FBI during a search of his Mar-a-Lago residence. Alright, that is it for the news we missed, which brings us to today's Quick Hits. First up, Russia says it won't restart the Nord Stream pipeline that supplies natural gas to Germany until sanctions from the EU are lifted. Number two, newly declassified U.S. intelligence documents say Russia is now buying thousands of rockets and artillery shells from North Korea. Number three, Coy Griffin, the founder of Cowboys for Trump, was removed as county commissioner and banned from holding public office because of his role in January 6th. Number four, a document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, Was among those found at Mar a Lago by the FBI, according to a Washington Post report. Number five, California is urging residents to reduce electricity use to avoid blackouts as a heat wave drives up the state's power demand. We begin at five with President Biden's visit to Philadelphia for a primetime speech. He's chosen Independence Hall as his backdrop. The historic site is known as the birthplace of democracy. It was, of course, a political speech, as all addresses by a sitting president inherently are. But in the aftermath, one of the two major parties dominated by the MAGA authoritarian faction the president was talking about, has been whining and moaning about how politically divisive it all was. Reaction to the president's harsh attacks followed on social media. In a tweet, GOP chairwoman Ronna McDaniel summed up the speech this way. Angry, divisive, political, stubborn, failure. On Thursday... President Biden delivered a speech in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia where he both warned that former President Trump was promoting an extreme ideology that threatens democracy and called for Americans to come together to support democracy. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, Biden said in the speech. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. Biden said these MAGA Republicans are refusing to recognize the results of free and fair elections, increasingly turning to political violence, and are threatening the soul of the nation. He insisted that he was not referring to most Republicans with these allegations. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans, Biden said, but there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, and that is a threat to this country. Biden also celebrated his legislative accomplishments, citing the COVID-19 recovery package, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, the gun control bill, and the reconciliation package, which included healthcare reforms and hundreds of billions of dollars of spending on climate change. The speech, in which Biden was backlit in red and flanked by two Marine soldiers, immediately drew criticism from Republicans. There's nothing wrong with America's soul, Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, said on Twitter. The American people are hurting because of your policies. Rampant inflation, out-of-control crime, terrorism on the rise, broken borders. Stop lecturing and change your policies before it's too late. Conservative commentator Ben Shapiro said Biden was cynically raising the political temperature by labeling half of Americans enemies of the Republic. You can read a full transcript of the speech with a link in today's newsletter, or watch it with another link in today's newsletter. Today, we're going to hear some reactions from the left and the right, and then my take. First up, we'll start with what the left is saying. The left is mostly supportive of the speech, saying Biden is properly framing the threat of Trump and his supporters. Many argue that democracy is under threat in many states, and Americans need to be aware of that. Some say Biden could have invoked patriotism instead of partisanship. In The New Yorker, Susan Glasser said Biden called out MAGA Republicans in unsparing terms. I suspect a few will remember Biden's words on Thursday night as much as they will think of the ominous setting, the front of Philadelphia's Independence Hall at night, with the dramatic red floodlights as the backdrop for the president while he spoke in dire terms about the possibility of political violence from the Trumpists who still refuse to concede Trump's 2020 defeat, and who celebrate the violent mob that stormed the Capitol in hopes of overturning it. Just hours before Biden's speech, in fact, Trump himself bragged of giving financial support to some of the insurrectionists who have been charged by the Justice Department and told an interviewer that he was considering offering blanket pardons to the January 6th defendants should he be reelected in 2024, Glasser said. MAGA Republicans seemed to think that the scary setting for Biden's alarming message was somehow beneficial to them, and they soon began sharing images of the dramatic black and neon red scene, she said. In the inverted logic of Trump world, Theirs is the grievance that matters. They are always the wronged party. Storming the Capitol and defying the will of voters in 2020 was totally fine. But how dare Joe Biden say such nasty things about them for doing so? These howls of complaint might have been fun to listen to from the folks who routinely savage Biden as a wild-eyed socialist out to destroy freedom itself if what they themselves were doing to the country were not so deadly serious. In NBC News, Jason Stanley celebrated Biden for finally coming around to the central issue facing Americans. The president did not shy away from the truth. The Republican Party, one of our two major parties, has been taken over by an explicitly anti-democratic social and political movement collectively known as MAGA Republicans, Stanley said. Biden's comments built on remarks at a fundraiser a few days ago in Maryland, where he said extreme MAGA philosophy was semi-fascism, Not surprisingly, reactionary conservatives like Fox News host Tucker Carlson and House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy immediately began braying for an apology. But does Biden have anything to apologize for? Americans can freely vote for MAGA Republicans in the upcoming 2022 and 2024 elections, but placing and keeping these people in power in the short term would likely result in long-term one-party rule as well as massive restrictions on the liberties of racial, religious, and sexual minorities as well as women. This is a hard truth that every American must face, Stanley wrote. However, in painting MAGA Republicans as essentially intruders into American politics, the president did misrepresent our history. They are a descendant of Jim Crow, and its leaders are bringing back the same tactics of voter suppression, acts on history and education, and calls for political violence using the specter of black political protest as an existential threat to white America. The Washington Post editorial board said it was a depressing reflection of the times that Biden had to give the speech he did. The difficult, perhaps insurmountable challenge that Mr. Biden confronted just eight weeks before midterm elections that will determine the future course of his presidency was how to convey the message of defending democracy in a way that summons patriotism rather than partisanship, the board wrote. Here, as much as we agree with the president about the urgency of the issue is where he fell short, too often sounding more like a capital D Democrat than a lowercase d Democrat. You don't persuade people by scolding or demeaning them, but that's how the president's speech landed for many conservatives of goodwill. Mr. Biden was wrong to conflate upholding the rule of law with his own partisan agenda, which he called the work of democracy. You can be for democracy, but against the president's policy proposals to use government to lower prescription drug prices and combat climate change. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love, Mr. Biden proclaimed. But many conservatives, not just MAGA forces, agree with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. It was disappointing that Mr. Biden chose to admit that the infrastructure, gun control, and burn pits legislation he praised had passed with Republican votes, the board wrote. Pointing this out would actually have strengthened his effort to draw a contrast between MAGA Republicans and mainstream Republicans. All right, that is it for what the left is saying, which brings us to what the right is saying. Many on the right criticized the speech, saying Biden is framing his political opposition as mortal enemies. Some called out the hypocrisy of what he said when compared to the actions of Democrats. Others said Biden is framing his political opponents as a threat, as a way to use the power of the government against them. Nicholas Giordano called it a sinister speech where he targeted his political opponents. With the blood-red lighting and two shadowy Marines flanking President Joe Biden Thursday night, the message was clear. Unity can only exist through submission, Giordano wrote. The president's job is to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution and our way of life. Given that solemn oath, what happens when the president and his administration view nearly half the country as threats to democracy, intent on destroying democracy, to usher in an era of semi-fascism? If the president and his team truly believe MAGA and anyone who subscribes to the America First policies represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic, How long will it be before the president officially declares tens of millions of Americans as domestic terrorists? Everyone should pay attention because the Biden administration is not just targeting MAGA Republicans. They're targeting Republicans, independents, libertarians, and disaffected Democrats who support the former president's policies, he said. This is a coordinated and sustained campaign to portray political opposition as an existential threat and enemies of the state. This timeline of events and the increasingly darker rhetoric indicates that we are headed towards an ominous period in American history. If the Biden administration continues down this trajectory, it is only a matter of time before former President Trump and his supporters are officially designated as a domestic terrorist organization. In the Wall Street Journal, William McGurn said Biden is angry, but not serious. Yes, it was full of nasty stuff, but in the end it was more Beltway bathos than menace, McGurn wrote. Surely, it's damning that what so many people seem to remember isn't Mr. Biden's message, but the nakedly political use of the uniformed Marines behind him, calling on General Mark Milley, and the neon illumination that made the stately face of Independence Hall look like the entrance to a bordello in some red-light district. Even more striking was the tone. Gone was the genial Joe from Scranton, the man who persuaded Americans that he would give them a calm and drama-free presidency. In its place was Dark Brandon a superhero saving America from imaginary armies of fascism. This Joe Biden seems to think that anger conveys seriousness. But apparently no one inside the West Wing is asking whether these outbursts really help him or only underscore his failure to do anything about what he's complaining about, he said. Mr. Biden well knows voters aren't happy with him. For all the talk of his legislative victories and a fortunate drop in gas prices, the president obviously isn't confident those will prove decisive when Americans go to the polls. He's not the first politician to calculate that his best path to victory is to paint political opponents as not merely wrong but evil and pray voters end up hating the other guys more than they hate him. In National Review, Dan McLaughlin called it a blundering and insincere speech. Examples proliferate. Biden wrapped himself in the mantle of the rule of law, which his administration has so flagrantly disregarded with illegal orders on the CDC eviction moratorium, the OSHA vaccine mandate, and now student loan debt, McLaughlin said. He talked about the Constitution, yet his list of rights he intends to protect—the right to choose, right to privacy, right to contraception, right to marry who you love—consisted entirely of things the Constitution never mentions. He couldn't spare a word for free speech, free exercise of religion, the right to bear arms or due process of law, all of them punching bags for his administration." He complained that, quote, democracy cannot survive when one side believes there are only two outcomes to an election, either they win or they were cheated, and that you can't love your country only when you win, and that I will not stand by and watch, I will not, the will of the American people be overturned by wild conspiracy theories and baseless, evidence-free claims of fraud, end quote. Again, he attributed this only to his political opponents, ignoring all manner of offenses against this norm by his own side ranging from Biden himself branding the 2022 elections as illegitimate unless Congress passed a bunch of bills that won't pass, to Chuck Schumer calling American elections a rigged game, to election deniers Terry McAuliffe, who Biden eagerly supported in 2021, and Stacey Abrams, whom Biden is eagerly supporting in 2022. All right, that is it for the left and the right's take, which brings us to my take. So I'll start with what I like. I like that Biden spoke plainly about the threat to democratic norms. It's true that violence is on the rise, as is election denialism. It's true that the biggest purveyor of this brand of politics is Donald Trump, who is still claiming, please notice, he's still claiming, as of last week, that he is the rightful president and that a new election should be held immediately, and that he would pardon rioters who ransacked the Capitol on January 6th. And it's true that Trump has successfully elevated candidates in the midterms who spent primary races insisting the 2020 election was stolen, though some are now turning the volume down on those claims for the general election. I also like that Biden spoke against political violence with clarity. He said, So, I want to say this plain and simple. There is no place for political violence in America, period, none, ever, he said. We can't allow violence to be normalized in this country. It's wrong. We each have to reject political violence with, with all the moral clarity and conviction this nation can muster now. I've written a lot about claims that the election was stolen, and I even debated the matter publicly, so I don't feel any qualms about saying this brand of politics Biden called out is dangerous there is plenty of evidence the media's biased, or Hunter Biden's laptop story was covered up and the pandemic upended the normal process for voting. There is still no evidence of a vast conspiracy of election fraud that threw the race to Biden in any state, and suggestions otherwise have undoubtedly led to violence. Still, there was a lot I didn't like in the speech too. The optics obviously were terrible. He and two uniformed marines bathed in red light. It all looked ridiculous. But the missed opportunity to take a step back from the political ledge, with so many obvious opportunities to do so, is the real shame. Since day one, Biden has touted himself as a political unifier. He had opportunities to talk across the aisle on Thursday. He could have condemned, in specific terms, the political violence of the left, an assassination attempt on Brett Kavanaugh, firebombings of anti-abortion clinics, and even social justice protests that turned violent. As the Washington Post editorial board pointed out, Biden also repeatedly conflated threats to democracy with opposition to his own political agenda. Instead, he could have pointed out where his agenda met Republicans. He could have worked in lines like this. My administration is proof that Republicans and Democrats still have common ground. We've come together on gun control, infrastructure bills, and legislation to help veterans. Together, we've poured hundreds of billions of dollars into competing with China and building semiconductors at home. Together, we renewed the Violence Against Women Act and the bill to protect victims of sexual misconduct. And soon, Republicans and Democrats could take up legislation to further secure our elections and ban members from stock trading. This isn't hard. It took me two minutes to write that paragraph, but Biden's meager single sentence on working with Republicans was sandwiched between warnings that MAGA is an existential threat to the country. He spoke about election denialism, but spared no words for his own party. What damage would it have done to add a single line like this? Denying the results of an election is not just unique to Trump, but increasingly common among members of my own party. Stacey Abrams is Exhibit A. Hillary Clinton still claims Trump was an illegitimate president. Even Biden has said the 2022 elections would be illegitimate if Republicans didn't pass a voting rights bill that he wanted. These things may pale in comparison to the nonstop onslaught of allegations from Trump and company, but not addressing them at all makes it easy to call Biden a hypocrite. And speaking of hypocrisy, what about the Democrats funding all those MAGA Republicans? Biden is so frantically warning us about them, yet Democrats spent $43 million backing election deniers because they think it will improve their odds of winning in the November general elections. Whether they end up being right is irrelevant. It amounts to intentionally elevating a threat Biden claims is imminent, unique, and unprecedented. Of course, Pretending Biden somehow escalated the political rhetoric in our country is also ridiculous. His predecessor exceeded Thursday night's rhetoric on a daily basis. Whether it was telling voters Democrats are sick and want to destroy our country as we know it, or claiming Democrats don't mind executing babies after birth, or promising voters Biden was going to confiscate your guns, terminate religious liberty, destroy your suburbs, or when he retweeted a video where a man said, quote, the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat, end quote. After Republicans spent the week criticizing Biden for saying MAGA ideology was akin to semi-fascism and that he crossed some sort of imaginary line, a video of Trump calling Democrats fascists at a campaign rally in 2020 resurfaced. The examples are so endless, it's hard to remember them all. Biden is clearly betting that hate for Trump will motivate his base more than support for his agenda, and he may very well be right. Yet, he had plenty of chances to offer an olive branch to the many voters who are dissatisfied with his time in office, which, by the way, is about 60% of the country. He could have offered even tepid criticism of his own party's actions, or focused on bipartisan legislation, or called out the specific politicians and figures threatening democracy rather than broad swipes at anyone who subscribes to Make America Great Again. He passed on those chances, and while he may think it is better for him politically I think the country's psyche is worse for it. Alright, that is it for my take, which brings us to your questions answered. This one's from Bill in Wayne, New Jersey. Bill said, As you have pointed out, it's a little ridiculous to say that Trump was flat out wrong about everything. You recently noted an example on Twitter in which an old video portrayed him as providing false information and stating that Germany was becoming too reliant on Russian energy, something we now know to be true. Given Trump's lack of experience and proclivity toward whatever was in his self-interest, what do you think allowed him to see things that the actual experts and people that have spent their lives doing government work are unable to? So I think this is the promise of Trump and politicians like him. They are a fresh set of eyes on a system run by insiders and echo chambers. Trump was right about a lot that other people miss because the other people are often members of Congress, the security state, think tanks, and other government jobs that have spent years or decades in the same sector surrounded by the same people recirculating the same ideas. To me, it's sort of the conservative version of progressives who want more activists turned politicians. There's this idea on the left that someone who has grassroots, on-the-ground experience helping address community needs in urban or minority-majority areas is better suited to advocate for progressive ideals than a white, wealthy, Ivy League-educated politician. They'll have fresh eyes, they're not going to play by the corporate Democrats' rules, and they will bring unyielding commitment to issues. In Trump's case, he entered office inherently skeptical of everything that came from Democrats and establishment Republicans. That skepticism meant his instinct was to oppose whatever they supported, and to do it in a way where he threw everything against the wall to counter those forces— Since establishment Republicans and Democrats are wrong about a lot, and Trump was open to just about any solution for any problem, a lot of stuff sticks. I think all those instances are a reminder that stagnation can breed groupthink, and it's another reason Trump still has so much support. All right, that is it for your question's answered, which brings us to our Under the Radar section. On Monday, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill to give more than half a million fast food workers more power and protection. The legislation creates a 10-member fast food council with equal numbers of worker delegates and employer representatives, as well as two California state officials to set things like wages, hours, and working conditions. The law caps minimum wage increases at $22 an hour next year for more than 100 restaurants, which means laborers could push for an increase above the current $15.50 minimum wage in the state. CBS News has the story with more details about the legislation, and there's a link to it in today's newsletter. All right. next up is our numbers section. The percentage of Americans who want the number of immigrants coming to the United States decreased is 38%. That's the highest level since July of 2016. The percentage of Americans who want the number of immigrants coming to the U.S. increased is 27%. The percentage of Americans who think political violence in the U.S. will increase over the next few years is 64%, according to a new CBS poll. President Biden's approval rating, according to 538's average, is now 43%, the highest since mid-March. The number of air travelers screened in the U.S. over Labor Day weekend this weekend was 8.76 million. The number of air travelers screened in the U.S. over Labor Day weekend in 2019 was 8.24 million. All right, that is it for our numbers section. Last but not least, our have a nice day section. Uh, I love this story. A woman who can smell Parkinson's is helping scientists detect it in patients with 95% accuracy. Researchers in Manchester are developing a new method to detect the disease in three minutes based on the astonishing proclivity of Joy Milne to smell it on patients. Milne, a 72-year-old retired nurse, became famous for suspecting her husband had Parkinson's 12 years before he was diagnosed based on what she said was a distinct change in his smell. She linked the smell to his diagnosis after meeting people at a Parkinson's support group, which she said had the same distinctive smell. Now, working with Milne, researchers have developed a simple skin swab test to gather a specific oily substance on the skin that has compounds often associated with the disease. BBC News has this story, and there's a link to it in today's newsletter. Alright, everybody, that is it for today's podcast. As always, if you want to support our work, please go to retangle.com slash membership and become a member, or just spread the word about our podcast by sharing it with folks who are friends of yours. We'll be right back here, same time tomorrow. Have a good one. Peace.